Welcome to Rebels Recap. Your Rebels on you. Join Robin Vogt, Scott Inch, and Brian Fontaine as they break down the animated universe of a galaxy far, far away. Hey, Star Wars fans, what's up? Welcome back to Rebels Recap. That's right, we're here for the second half of Star Wars Rebels. This week we are talking about, the name of the episode actually is Legacy of Mandalore. And I'm telling you guys, I brought plenty of towels with me today because there was just so much sweat dripping off of me. That's right, this is Legacy of Mandalore. This is uh, Season 3, Episode 16, coming back in the second half. It was directed by Mel Zwire, which is... A great, great director, somebody who's done this before. And of course, we have our panel here. How's everything going, guys? Our first three-man booth ever. This is going to be a a fun little time we're going to have here. So welcome aboard, Scott, to Rebels Recap. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And what a great episode we definitely had today. Yeah, so this one was this one is interesting. I think the the month that we had off since the last time we talked to everybody, we had Trials of the Darksaber and and I think Robin, you and I talked about it on that episode. That might have been like one of my favorite episodes they've ever done. So for anything to kind of come close to that, this one was this one was put in a tough spot. I still feel like overall, if we're gonna just review the episode in its entirety, especially with that, we'll you know, we'll not bury the lead too much with the last few minutes of this episode, I think really carried a ton of weight and some long reaching ramifications for our, our favorite crew on the, on the ghost here. But I think overall it was good. I think it was solid. It, it drove the story ahead. It had its little funny parts, which I, I like to see uh, chopper usually involved with some of those. So let's just not bury the lead Robin. I mean, this was dripping in Mandalore lore. So this one wasn't actually set on Mandalore. Like we thought it might be. This is a planet called Cronast, which is actually the home planet of the clan Ren. And they had their, uh, you know, their outpost there. We saw the, you know, we saw the Mandalorian jetpacks. Robin, you must've been happy about that. I see your little Boba Fett on the, on your shelf there. So I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm telling you right now, I know I kind of introduced it in the beginning here with all these towels and everything, but I even, I needed more because it was so great to just hear the mention in this episode that when it comes to specifically, I mean, just, just all these different planets, we know Mandalore is not just a singular planet. It's, it consumes everything. There are multiple systems involved with Mandalore. And of course, Cronest is one of these, which is, as Brian says, uh, the house of Clan Wren. And it's just so great to look at it in that wide perspective, you know, and it really goes back to the true true part of the expanded universe and everything Filoni has wanted to bring back. It was a great episode. Like you said, a lot of great humor. And just when it comes to the Mandalorian culture itself, I love that one liner by Kanan when it says, what comes first, your family or the culture? And that's mm-hmm. really what the what the Mandalorians are all about. It, it's, it is that importance of culture that brought out in this episode. Yeah. Scott, what do you think about like Ezra always being that voice of the uh, if if Rebels was ever going to break that that fourth wall and and be say what we're kind of sometimes thinking I it just sometimes he's just says some really cringe worthy things and obviously Kanan is like all right Ezra shut up you're not helping the <laughs> you're not helping anything so you know what did you think about that Scott I kind of felt he was just he was just in the way a wee bit you know he kind of started talking and then you just kind of like. No, stay out of the way. Let the let the grown ups, the ones that have dealt with this a bit more, deal with this. This is a tense situation because Sabine was coming back to her 
to her parents, to her mother and family. And she hasn't seen since she ran away. And for Ezra to come in and just say a little cheese dance. But then he did start making some sense in some areas. And I just, I, I just wish the episode didn't have Ezra in it. I wish it was Hera that was there instead of Ezra. Space mom herself. Yeah, so I thought it was interesting where they brought in, we found out that, that Sabine has a brother. Obviously, we, we guessed wrong on what her mother's name was. So that was uh, that was good. But Robin, talk. let's talk a little bit about the, the, the Mandalorian ways where her mom was not that impressed that she had the Darksaber. I mean, she's like, where did you get that? And she's like, "You oh, I got it from Maul. Well, did you win it in a duel? Well, not next, not not really. I mean, that that was just like, wow, what a B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, Brian. I mean, I think a lot of Star Wars fans just looked at that. I know Scott and you probably obviously saw it the same way that, you know, Sabine is to really try to impress her mother. Like, listen, mom, I took the Darksaber away from Maul. This is something that not very many people, if anybody, have been able to do, whether it's in canon content, whether it's in the animated series, whether it's Clone Wars or anything. And her mom just completely like shoved it aside. I know Sabine's mother has a lot of backstory that we may not know about, some things that may have happened during this time in Rebels. But I mean, I feel so bad for Sabine in some ways because it's kind of like, you know, she goes and she tries to say, I've done something that most Mandalorians haven't been able to do. And you're just going to treat me like this. And even right there, I sounded like sassy Sabine. And uh, it's it's really interesting to see of her here. <laughs> you know, I, I think the the whole Gar Saxon thing, I think we kind of had a feeling that, you know, he wasn't going to be long for the, you know, the Star Wars canon universe. So I wasn't surprised. We had seen the second half trailer uh, before we started getting um, some of these episodes here in January, where we knew we saw some uh, that that shot of both uh, Sabine and, and Gar Saxon, you know, fighting with. Um, we we knew Sabine was eventually going to get a hold of Ezra's lightsaber, um, so we saw that shot of of him throwing it to her. And I, I read an article, and I can't remember where it was, where I was just looking at some some recaps, and it was interesting. And I don't know the answer to this or not, but it was they were trying to argue that this is the first the first non Jedi lightsaber battle on, on both sides or non Force wielding, and, and that was just interesting because you have you know a uh, Sabine, who's the Mandalorian, she has Ezra's lightsaber, and then obviously Gar Saxon is not a force wielder, and he has the dark saber. And you, you, you really saw some of that that training that Kanan gave to her, where she was holding her own, and and obviously ultimately ended up besting him. And and that was just a really great Sabine moment. You guys are speechless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's it's like we do on on anything else we do, Brian. You just drop the mic. I mean, I don't even know what to say to that. Um, it, it's. It perfectly summed up everything. And Scott, I think when we are talking about Sabine herself and we're talking about, I mean, I just noticed something um, when I went back to see it for the second time that I did not pick up on the first time. And I want to hear what you guys think about this too, is when Sabine is fighting Gar Saxon. And there seems to be some musical trend here when it comes to Star Wars Rebels. You do hear a little bit of the Force theme in there, which is battling him. And whether that's because she has a lightsaber and she's facing the darksaber. However, when it comes to this particular scene, I think including the Force theme was a nice little touch in there just for the fans. And whether it means more, who knows? We'll see. I've I've taught you well, Robin. You you have now become the master because I missed that. So... (laughs) 
I'm usually the first one to pick up on all the little uh, uh, original trilogy cues that, that that Kevin Kiner, we talk about all the time. I think he's a, a great composer and, and honors uh, John Williams in about every way possible. So that that's great. I'll have to go back now and, and see if I can catch that on another viewing. So, you know, we th- that, that fight, and I think just interesting too, and maybe Scott, this is something that we can throw to you. And, uh, you know, this is kind of a little bit of a legend slash new canon thing, but we actually heard the term the emperor's hand when referring to gar saxon and i'm not much of i i'm the i'm the newbie of uh star wars legend content on on the network but i'm pretty sure the last time we 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 had an emperor's hand wasn't that somebody by the name of mara jade i don't know maybe does that leave the opening down the road where we may see her i mean not even totally related to this episode whatsoever but the mention of the emperor's hand was interesting to me maybe in season four we might see that I mean, it, the Mandalorian it ended on a, a nice way that Dave Lowry said he's going to pick it up in a future episode. So season four, you might see Mara J come in with the Emperor. Who knows? I, that's a tough one. I, I love the battle in this episode. I love the final battle between Sabine and, oh my God, I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited to see it. <laughs> it just takes me back to um, Batman Begins where they were on ice and you had... Bruce and Picard fighting against each other and I was mm-hmm. totally fall through the ice. I wanted to see that. I wanted to see him fall through the ice. But I never got that. I was like, oh please fall through the ice because you saw the ice cracking. Uh-huh. You saw the ice cracking. I was like, oh that's how you go. Nah. But I just loved how the there was a t- nice tie back to Revenge of the Sith where she had the blue the the two blades and she looked like she was ready to kill him. Did part of you feel like she was going to uh, say, do it, like the Palpatine said in the Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Scott, because I thought the same thing where it was almost, a, you know, that, that shot of uh, Anakin in front of uh, Dooku. So they they like to reuse some some tropes and, and themes and stuff. So I thought that was good. But, you know, you can also use that as a as a jumping off point to say that both, you know, Sabine and Anakin are, are totally different, you know, character wise. Yeah. So obviously, we you know we saw you know Sabine's character coming strong through, and and ultimately this is the part, Robin, where I want to kind of get your kind of get your your thoughts on because you you've got a better knowledge of, of the inner workings of, of how the Mandalorian culture works. But the fact that, for better or worse, that you know Mandalore was fairly stable, even having sided with the empire, you know the empire, and and having Gar Saxon be that that emperor's hand, and essentially by Ursa taking the shot there. I mean, does that really kind of send, you know, the the Mandalorian culture back into uh, a time of, of, tur- of turmoil? And, you know, we and, and the other point, too, that I, I'd like you to touch on, too, Robin, is the fact that, you know, Sabine was willing to go back to Cronest with the Darksaber to to approach her mother and try to reconnect that. But you got the sense at the end of this episode that she does not want to be that Mandalorian leader. And she even made a comment, something along the lines of, I hope that we can go rescue my father on Mandalore and find that leader. Either whether she develops into that at some point, whether it's her mom, there's some rumors speculating that it might be Bo-Katan coming back at some point. I mean, that is just, I mean, that that's just it's crazy stuff that could be happening now just because of that, how that, that ended with that, that fight that Scott was just referencing. There was so much at the end of this episode. I feel like I do have to go back and watch it like two more times because progression here, when you're talking about the Mandalorian culture, it is consistently, I mean, at this time in rebels, it seems like it's at peace and it seems like it's at a very stable time. 
But we have to look at it as the entire Mandalorian system itself. Just because Cronus might be in a very stable state with Gar Saxon at the helm, the other thing is, is that we don't know what's going on in those other systems at this time. There could be war being waged on these other planets at this time. But I think you bring up a very good point, Brian, that it does seem very stable. And now that Sabine's mother has taken a shot at Saxon, and obviously Fenrau says it, he says pretty quick, and we're going to move back into turmoil once again. I totally think there's a lot of backstory coming here, and I would not be surprised if this kind of story is the one that Lucasfilm really wants to focus on going forward. This Mandalorian-centric storyline with whatever is happening during this timeline. Now, when we talk about specifically Sabine with the Darksaber and trying to find this Mandalore figure themselves, I totally believe that she is true to the resistance, the rebellion, whatever you want to call it, and wants to stay true to her friends. She's still very young at this point. And I think there's a lot of progression in terms of her character. Now, if she can find this Mandalorian leader, whole other discussion and a whole other maybe series when it comes to that. So who is she going to find? Bo-Katan would be absolutely amazing. I would love to see that progression happen, whether it's in Rebels or outside of it. But Sabine has a journey that she needs to go on now. And she doesn't need her necessarily her friends or anybody else. It's like her own story at this point. So obviously we were in a, a group chat yesterday after having watched this. And, you know, you know, Scott, I want to get your opinion on this. But I mean, essentially, and this is something and, and I, you know, we we say it all the time on all the different shows that we have on the on the podcast network. We don't really know anything. We hardly get anything right. We just love talking Star Wars. But you know, one of the things that we had even mentioned, Robin, on our last roundtable when we were at White Mountain Comics was the fact that the season needed to have some levity to it, whether it was people getting put on the shelf, to use Dave Filoni's term, or, you know, to have, you know, tragedy. And and I think, thankfully, we got the latter, where it was, we've now potentially got Sabine on the shelf for a period of time. You know, I, I have a hunch on what may end up happening and maybe we can talk about after we kind of tie the bow on, on this episode on, on where I think that might go. But you, you, you've you you've said it right, Robin. I think they've given themselves another out where they can branch off. And, and as I'm working through the Clone Wars and I just started season five, I got that deadline of March 7th coming up here in the U.S. where I got to finish that before it leaves Netflix. But you, you can get the sense that maybe Star Wars Rebels in season four will have concurrent stories on both sides where they can kind of jump around where the Clone Wars was able to, to show different systems. And they had different Jedi sometimes that were involved with those. And it, it kind of brought a whole story together. So they might be able to, to flesh out this Mandalorian storyline without necessarily having to, sorry, I was trying to spare everybody my, my coughing. The good thing about editing this afterwards, after it's on YouTube live is I can cut that out. Like it never happened. Um, but no, I was going to say that, um, yeah, we, we bring the humor here on, on Rebels Recap, Scott. Um, you know, they'll, they maybe potentially be able to dedicate a couple episodes next season to this because if, you know, Scott was one of the first to uh, to break this information off that, that site in Germany where we got some of the early synopsis for uh, the, the remaining episodes. The, the one thing where I think that there's a, there's a chance that we may see Sabine again this season is if you read ahead, and obviously we haven't seen the episodes yet, but the, the second part of Zero Hour where we know that we're going to see Thrawn is the fact that Ezra comes in with an unexpected help. What if that unexpected help is a fleet of Mandalorian warriors? 
that comes to uh, I can't even think of the the, the planet Chopper Base is on and an, Antalon. Oh jeez, oh, Robin, get that you, you know get, this, get some extra towels there, buddy. I would Ooh. love to see that. Ready? <laughs> Mind blown. I would love to see that. I would love to see if that's what Ezra brings to help the rebels in the season finale. That would be the best space battle I've ever seen in an animated series, ever. Forget about Clone Wars. Let's get that kind of space battle in rebels. Even, I would love that. Because they, I get the, also the sense, too, where they keep referencing this attack, and they mention it on in this episode here, too, where they're trying to get help for the they're planning an attack on Lothal. But I get the sense from reading the, the show recaps that I don't think our group of rebels here ever makes it to that battle. And maybe that's why this the you know the, the battle ultimately fails for the, the Rebel Alliance. But maybe because of that Ezra, the help that Ezra is able to bring to Antelon there, where they're able to essentially rescue our ghost crew. And maybe that's why the, the, the Lothal initiative doesn't, doesn't happen the way that we're expecting it to. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of all these little things in my head and we pretend not to know anything. And we're all about speculation and we're going to get things wrong, might get some things right, but I'm just trying to think logically. Okay. Like what, what is the help? But I know we've thrown out some wild guesses like, Oh, maybe it's uh Maybe it's Ahsoka coming back or um, now this Mandalorian theory that I've got. And, you know, who knows? I've heard some really zany ones uh, of potentially what Ezra brings for an unknown source. But I I think it has to be something. If it's going to be the season finale, it's got to have some oomph and it's got to have some gravitas to it to, to really leave us as a cliffhanger at the end of season three, hopefully leading into season four that we haven't gotten confirmed yet, but I think we've heard enough stuff out there that we're, we're probably going to get that season four. Oh, definitely. Um, going on your point, Brian, about who Ezra's going to bring. I, when you look at the, the, the second to last two part of uh, Twin Sons, I don't think it's Sabine, it's Obi-Wan. You I think it's Obi-Wan? Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be uh, potentially canon shifting <laughs> but it would I would be certainly I'm not all up in arms about them changing things. I just wanted to just to have that that and you guys reference it on talking Star Wars all the time with you want to have that continuity between all the different avenues of storytelling, whether it's movies, novels, comics, TV shows, cartoons, just just make it all line up and I, I will be on board. I mean, you know, in Lucasfilm we trust, you know, in Filoni we trust, just just bring it on. But Robin, you've been you, you're worrying me because you've got that little I, you're you're across the state here in New Hampshire for me right now, but you have that look when I'm in person with you where you're kind of you got this little wheels turning now and you're gonna say something here and then you're gonna drop the mic. Well, uh, I don't know if we're going to get to dropping the mic. However, I think looking at it in a much more broad perspective, I, I based on, you know, if you guys go online, you can read my latest article about where I believe Sabine is heading to. But just going back to the Mandalorian point, so interesting to see whether they bring the Mandalorians, whether that is the final battle and the Mandalorians are part of it. That is can shifting alone, because that means that the Mandalorians did have some part in the foundation of the rebellion early on and where that plays into canon later on here is going to be awesome and of course you saw me while you guys were talking about it i'm wiping myself because i can only imagine those mandalorian fighters alongside just just the whole rebel fleet and the y-wings and everything it would it would be a complete canon shift and 
just to see whether Sabine show. I mean, that would be great if we see Sabine in one of those starfighters and she reunites at the end with the entire rebellion and just makes that first shot at the empire. It would be a great way to, to summarize this entire season with everybody there. And just to throw this out there too, we got another novel release that we weren't expecting with what is it? Inferno squad or, or something like mm. that. Yeah. Where there's going to be this, you know, it's going to be a jumping off point from where Rogue One left us, but it's going to focus on a, on an elite group of Imperial soldiers. What if they encounter some Mandalorians and, and they can just jump off of that, which then eventually, as we've kind of all speculated, could have a big impact on Episode 8 and The Last Jedi. Most important thing is, guys, it all connects. It all matters. There's no filler here. That's right. That is absolutely right. Everything binds together. It's the entire Star Wars community coming together to talk Star Wars and to talk, of course, Star Wars Rebels. All right. Just Imp- overall. I, impromptu, impromptu over a game of over under. We'll use your 45%, 45%, Robin. And I'm usually you're the one leading this off, but I kind of been throwing this around today and I figured I'd ask both of you. Over under 45%, we see Sabine before the end of season three again. 47. So you're saying over. 47 for some reason is also a popular number on the network. <laughs> <laughs> There's something about those sixes and sevens, whether it's in the 50s or 60s. It seems like we like to choose that. Just no, don't go, um, just don't go with 66. That's not a good number. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think we've 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 played out order 66 just enough in the Star Wars canon. No, I, I totally believe it's over. And dare I say. With, I mean, we're talking over 45%. I'm taking the overside. I'm going to say 92%. See, I was going to go with 85. I think, I think just if I think about where the, the if you read some of the, I, I want to say it was Amy Ratcliffe on, on the Nerdist actually had a, a two part interview with Dave Filoni. And you got the sense that he is one of the best storytellers out there right now. I mean, bar none. I mean, his track record is impeccable. The fact that he knew that he needed to put Sabine on the shelf for a little bit just for this whole thing to have more impact. And as much as he didn't want to do that, I think it needed to happen. And that allows the other, you know, the ghost crew to develop and see how they can perform without her and her special skill set and gives, you know, maybe Ezra a chance to further step outside of Sabine's shadow because they they kind of overlap a little bit in terms of what they bring to the ghost crew. So that'll be interesting. But I really do think that is the I, I'm going to go with 85. But Robin, I, I think it's coming pretty strong with with 92 that I think we see her in the second part of Zero Hour. Good, good stuff. All right, we got so Scott. I want to ask you too because I, you know, I think it. I don't want to speak for you guys, but I, I think just that that final moment that will allow us to kind of tie a bow on on this episode was the fact that when Ezra and, and Kanan kind of came to the realization that that we all did that she was going to have to stay on Cronist and be with her family and try to figure out what their what their next move is. And the fact that, you know, Sabine has really started to rekindle some of those severed family ties that now are starting to get some of that reconnectivity back. Just that it was it was just uh, it, hit, it had all, you know, using the, the, the term it had all the had all the feels. And that that was just it was it was tough. It was tough. I don't think it had the level of an impact of like when Ahsoka had to walk away from the Jedi Order, but 
Well, we'll see. I mean, it may not have as much impact if we see her again in a couple episodes, but if we don't see her for a while, I, I think people are going to come back to this episode afterwards and and realize that it had a little bit more impact than it than it did. I was pretty gutted she left. Actually, I was. I can understand story why she why she had to stay behind. I mean, I I don't like. I don't like shows where the character's been out for two, three, four years leaves out. I get very emotional. I would like her to show up at the end of the season, but I don't think she will. I think because David Willey wants to leave her on the shelf for a while, mm-hmm. and we did Mandalorian story in season four and bring her back then. Then we come back, she comes back and we're like, yeah, she's back. But it was really, it changes up the dynamic of the show it's always great though when a character leaves we get a new change in dynamic so you're saying yourself Ezra comes forward a wee bit steps up and I would love to see that but we've also got the storyline of where Ezra was kind of dealing with the dark side a wee bit at the beginning of the season and that still has to be kind of wrapped up itself how that plays out I don't know but I was very very gutted to see Sabine leave because we've been following this character for the last almost three years now mm-hmm. um, I just hope she comes back. Not the end of the season, because you kind of want to have that kind of, oh, she's gone now, and then four or five weeks later, she's back. It's just like, no, let's give us a wee time, and then when she comes back, she comes back as an impact in season four. Mm-hmm. Robin? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, I agree with Scott on so many points to Ezra's story that we still need to tell. And, I mean... I still think she'll come back for a little bit. I, I, I think that that last bit, whether it's just for uh, just one quick little piece, just to see her inside the starfighter or whatever else, it doesn't have to be anything big. But Scott makes a great point. It is about Ezra's story. And I still think that Kane and Ezra told at the same time. And just the conclusion of this episode alone, I know I brought up Mel's Wire and what he's done with other properties. It felt just like young justice at times like when a character left that series it was it had that same kind of feel to it and he is known for doing those kind of things so it was kind of interesting to see that tie in there and i'll be so fascinated especially going into next week and everything we're going down a very different direction here and we're looking at a different story definitely not going to be any filler episodes i think from this point out i don't see that happening anytime soon heck i'm even looking forward to the the story we're going to get of uh, ap5 and chopper again which is oh not necessarily i, I hate to say it's a rehash of what we get the end of season two but I, that that dynamic i i really appreciate so i think we're going to finish strong and you know, if you have not checked out Rebels Recon yet on the Star Wars YouTube channel or just anywhere across social media, I cannot wait for this episode. And and quite literally, guys, we see through Callus's eyes, you know, with the, with the clip. And I mean, I just I don't I, I'm almost interesting for, interested from a storytelling perspective if that's not the only time in that episode where we see that. So, oh, I, I can't wait for that one. Getting excited, guys. I can't wait to see that episode. I cannot wait to see it. I'm looking forward to seeing how he's being Fulcrum and the Empire. And Thrawn. And Thrawn. Yes. Yes. And seeing how he, how Thrawn knows if he's actually Fulcrum. Because he kind of got a hint of that earlier in the season. But actually, just after Christmas, one of those episodes, he knows that Carlos is Fulcrum. But I'd love to see how he catches him out. I don't know, guys. It's it's a good time. But you know what? It's our it's our favorite time of every show. Ah, uh, that's right. It is time for plug, plug time. time. 
So we got a lot of cool, Ron, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up for, you know, people listening to us on the podcast podcast network on iTunes, SoundCloud, and that other thing that we're on that I haven't checked out yet, but probably should figure out what that is. But we have White Mountain Comic Con coming up at the end of February here, the 25th and 26th in Plymouth, New Hampshire. We're really looking forward to that with, with the panels and stuff. But you know what? We're back. Rebels Recap is back. We're going to start having weekly episodes. I'm so happy to have getting Scott's input on this from across the pond and technology. Two of us are in one state. The other was five hours ahead, but we made this thing happen. So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Can't wait. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome having Scott on the crew. It really is. Appreciate having you guys like me join you. And it's fun. It's really fun to actually talk to the awesome. guy, talk to other people and other friends who enjoy Star Wars. Absolutely. That's what it's about. It's about the Star Wars community. It's about bringing us together and talking about it. That's what the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network is all about. It's about getting all of us together, talking about this universe so you guys can head on over, check everything out we're doing here at the Podcast Network. White Mountain Comic Con coming up. Make sure to check out all of our sponsors, O'Neill Cinemas, Krypton Comics, all those great outlets for Star Wars stuff. Star Wars, whatever you want, it's out there for you. So, as I we always say here, thank you guys for tuning into Star Wars Rebels Recap. Scott, where can the good people find you on social media? You can find me on Facebook at Scott Inch and on Twitter. You guys have been purchasing me to get this done <laughs> at Scott Inch eighty five. And later tomorrow, I will be doing an interview with Unmistakably Star Wars. So I'll be doing an interview with them and catching myself and Robin talking Star Wars. Hopefully this week. I'm off on holiday, so hopefully we can get. Hopefully we get some brand new news because last week I was desperate for some kind of news. There was nothing, nothing at all last week. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like oh, sweating. Yeah, so- Where's all this news? <laughs> <laughs> and for us collectors out there, we just got New York Toy Fair, so we had a ton of information that my head's exploding on. So, you know, good stuff there. So you can find me on Twitter at Jedi Scavenger SW, Jedi Scavenger SW on Instagram. You know, we've got our the Facebook page and everything with, with our friend Chris Letty, and just a lot of good stuff coming up. So hit it home, Robin. You can follow me, Robin. Vote Robin the Brick City Blockade Podcast. We have our latest episode out, episode fourteen. We got Christopher Letty's collector segment, giving us some keen insight on how to display your figures and everything. I know, as he says in the episode, I've fallen into the issue of collectors' dominoes. I'm sure Brian knows what that's all about. Yeah, and he's back here. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys can listen to that and try to avoid having that issue and also make sure to hear about everything happening with White Mountain Comic Con and our good friends over at O'Neill Cinemas. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mr. Vote Tweets. Send that friend request over on Facebook and make sure to subscribe to the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network on iTunes and listen to us, of course, on SoundCloud. Another great week of talking Star Wars Rebels with the panel here. It's a it's a triad of Star Wars awesomeness. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching here on YouTube. May the force be with you. Always. Always.